Hello and welcome back to another episode of Podcasting is Praxis, coming to you live from somewhere on the internet. Um, we've run out of special episodes to do, so you're just going to have to make do with a regular news roundup. We're going to be talking how great the lockdown is, how much we've all enjoyed spending so much time with our loved ones, how some of them may be buried in the garden, and also... Um, I don't know, some other stuff. And comment or commentariat is finally making its proud return. So therefore, we've got on comment or commentariat lover Alistair. Oh, hello. Um, this is this is the second time we tried to do this episode due to uh, technical difficulties. So uh, I don't know what the difference is, but like my brain's a lot more frazzled this time. Maybe it's the fact that I knew that comment or commentariat's coming up. But um, Did you have a poor night's sleep thinking about... Oh, my, oh, dude! Like for reals. Um, so like, I'm furloughed at the moment, so I my sleep schedule is all over the place. I like going to bed at like three, waking up at like eight, whatever. Who knows what the fuck? Yeah, well, I mean, you've jinxed her now by like talking about how we lost this episode once already. It's fucking. That's it. We're doomed. This is doomed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You good, Jamie? How's life treating you in lockdown days? Ah, oh, time has no meaning. Yes, this is very true. I can attest to that. Yeah, time has lost. I've I've lost track of what day it is. I keep having to literally look at my calendar. I think I'm gonna have to like write it on my hand or something. Oh, I've got I've gone completely mad and like had to write out like a, a custom like fucking calendar for me mom's like food deliveries from from Tesco. She was driving me mad, like, having to go online at like midnight on certain days and and try and catch a delivery slot. So we've got like a color coded calendar now to remind everyone when it's just fucking ridiculous. Just, just like coronavirus, just either either kill us all or fuck off. Do you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm tired of this. Uh, all right, and Ben, you also still alive somewhere? Yeah, I mean, my life's basically not changed at all. So, oh, get you, Mister Fancy Pants. Been social distancing since 2004. <laughs> Ah, uh, all right. So, as just a just as a quick question, um, anybody got any nice literature on their uh, bookcase, on their bookshelf that they want to share with us? Ugh. Some nice, you know, cool literature about whether or not some historical events may have happened. Yes or no? All I, all I know is that it's absolutely fine to have books written by race scientists and Holocaust deniers and um, anything to the left of. <sighs> Margaret Thatcher, Tony yeah, Tony Blair, <laughs> whatever, um, automatically makes you an anti-Semite. So that's fine. Yeah, I mean, Michael Gove's bookcase, I think the real the real question was that book that, you know, how to cook humans. <laughs> and he just keeps blowing dust off it, you know, that, that whole bit. <laughs> but... that's, that's, that's an unbelievable joke, just because why would that book ever accumulate any dust? <laughs> <laughs> Probably memorized it by now. But Michael Gove looks like the sort of person where if you passed him in the street and you went, all right, mate, I uh, saw you the other day wiping your own piss off your chin, he'd have to ask you to clarify which day you meant. <laughs> I keep having these images of, like, Michael Gove coming home and, like, slithering into his fish tank and then, like, Sarah Vine just shaking, you know, those little flakes into, <laughs> into it while he bobs it while his head comes above water. I, I just got, I've got to admit, like uh, I think I've said this before, actually, on the podcast, but I'm just obsessed with the way that man drinks a glass of water. Just I cannot get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it has it has big fish fish energy. It's not drinking when Gold does it; it's breathing. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's just wetting his gills for the next couple of days. What's, what's the deal with that big bowl over your head? And he's just like... <laughs> just like that one Bojack episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good show, what, that. But, what, anyway. what I'm interested in, really, is that sort of how there's a very thin line between having a book by a race scientist on your bookshelf, fine, when it was written, I don't know, like, fairly recently, versus writing the foreword to a book that's about something else. The author was a bit of, like, a shit racist, but was written so long ago that everybody was a bit of an anti-Semitic racist shit back then. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's like you get these, uh, get these like, shithead neolibs on Twitter who think that anyone who calls themselves a Marxist is an anti-Semite because Karl Marx had some very shit views on um, you know, Jewish yeah. people, and as if, as if we, uh, if you if you call yourself a Marxist, that therefore means you take literally every single word in all of Marx's writings at face value. You don't go, hmm, maybe this uh, this has an underlying point that I could use to bring some kind of perspective onto the modern world. No, it means that I hate <laughs> Jews and really love linen coats. Yeah, well, <laughs> right right wing people don't do nuance, do they? No. But they do get the easiest ride in the world because, like, I, I'm, you know, had this photo been, let's say, I don't know, John McDonald's bookcase, you can bet that, you know, um, what's that prick? Stephen Pollard would have been mm. screaming bloody murder still. Like, he would have just started setting Labour HQ on fire. I mean, not that that's a bad idea overall, but, you know. Yeah, but well, Ellie Mayer- in, in many ways, like, you know what I mean? In, in, in a similar way to the fact that, like, racism is when you do the bad words and only when you do the bad words. Like, anti-Semitism is when you, like, you're on the left, and only when you're on the left. Yeah. Like, it yeah, makes you think that Hitler probably couldn't pronounce Jeffrey Epstein's name properly either. <laughs> the thing I like about Stephen Pollard is that with most shitheads... This, this is a sentence I'm really curious about already. The thing I like about, about him is that with most shitheads, like Piers Morgan, occasionally they'll, they'll like, do something right, and you're like, shit, fuck, am, am I in the wrong now because I think this as well? But Stephen Pollard is, like, exceptionally, at all times, just wrong. Ah, the Dan Hodges principle. Yes. The man who, <laughs> the man who speaks and bends reality away from himself, like some kind of, like, reverse black hole or something. <laughs> it's just, it's just, if you ever want to know what your opinion should be on something, look up what Stephen Pollard has said and then just do the opposite. And it's 100% of the time the correct thing to do. On a slightly different note, I would like to um, use this podcast as well in this moment to to send out an, an urgent uh, appeal for help. Um, yeah, me really too, wanna... actually. Uh, uh, <laughs> maybe for a different reason. <laughs> no, I, I'm um, I'm joining Robert Peston in this. Um, I would like you all to, uh, once you're finished with this episode, I'd like to go online and make a donation to the Foundation for Journalism, because what would we do without it in this dark period? <laughs> Yeah, it's a question I ask myself all the time. What would I do without today's journalism? And then it's just a little thought bubble from uh, uh, like The Simpsons where he's thinking of that idy- idyllic world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a world without lawyers and everybody's holding hands and dancing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing, Alistair, is that if there were no journalists, you'd be subjected to a lot less comment or commentariat. Wow, you're, re- you're really not selling it to me. I. I... <laughs> No, I mean, it's it the goal in the middle of this thing comment to say... Comment or more comment, wouldn't it? 
Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> just dive headfirst into like <laughs> shitty Twitter arguments between absolute morons rather than uh, absolute morons who pay who are paid like six figures well, a year for some <laughs> indiscernible fucking reason to get on absolute. to get in Twitter shit fights. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, just uh, Robert Peston's perpetual childlike wonder at the world uh, going on around him. Like the sun rises in the morning, says, "Wow, who could have seen this? I've only I've, <laughs> I've not been informed about this by my sources at the uh, in the government, and this is a complete surprise to me." Like, <sighs> it's like <laughs> you can see like Daniel Hannon or something like standing in his garden in like a big sort of multicolored priest robe. Said, you know. And there shall be light, and just Robert Bessner going, wow, he really is a wizard. <laughs> Fucking Daniel Hanan, he's like... <sighs> yeah, he's basically <laughs> He's basically, someone gave a government job to Stephen Pollard for some reason, and you, you get that <laughs> does motherfucker. He, does he have a government job? Is he in government? Go, he, uh, used to be, he used to be an MEP, I don't know what he's yeah. doing now. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Shall we get into our first uh, topic of the day? Um, you know, brown, big round of cheers. The UK is simultaneously the country with the most deaths in Europe. And also next Monday, I think we're all going to be let out again to cough in each other's faces. Well, see, that's the, the funny thing about this is um, the government's done that thing that they love to do, which is float a fucking terrible idea to the press. They all print pages upon pages of, wow, look at this terrible thing the government's going to do. Isn't it amazing? And then they go, and everyone goes, no, that's fucking terrible. And then they go, oh, uh, we didn't, we didn't mean it really. We're not, we're not going to do it quite as bad as it sounds, make it look quite as bad as it sounds. And I, I, yeah. I love, I love that's how, uh, you know, policy works. Now you just, just announce we're going to kill anyone under the age of, 32 and then everyone goes that's a really shit idea and they go oh, all right all right all right under the age of 20 and everyone's like yep yeah, that's right perfect the thing <laughs> is in this case it's not even that i was out like i was out today doing my shopping and you hear people going oh well this lockdown just random people on the street oh this lockdown is probably going to be over on monday so who's going to be laughing then i'm like fucking no one you'll all be dead yeah or people going oh we, i'm currently stuck in a different city of do things about me come home on monday it's like no no your parents are over 70 stay where you fucking are <laughs> yeah you lunatic yeah it's as if as if the way to beat the virus is to like show it in an act of defiance that you're completely willing to <laughs> infect everyone that you know with it and it's just like you ca- you can't you cannot be sarcastic to a virus it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> the virus doesn't Listen, care you- about blitz spirit Literally, yeah, yeah. You, exactly. You can't defeat it with the power of patriotism. It just—it really doesn't fucking work that way. Oh yeah, w- would that it did? Because this country is full enough, full of enough fucking smugness about, for some reason, after like what seventy-five years, just smugness over the fact it won has won World War Two, the last like, arguably the last time that the Britain engaged in a war for like good question mark reasons. <laughs> And it's just completely poisoned our brain dis- to the point dis- where. Remembered itself. Did you see the thing in the Daily Mail uh, yesterday? I think it was. No. Yeah, that's about, exactly that's exactly what I was about to talk about. Yeah, go on. About how um, Britain and America, when they're talking about coronavirus, they invoke like wartime metaphors and the Blitz spirit and and Dunkirk and all this sort of shit because we won the world wars and the Germans use science like scientific words because they've never won a world war 
Just yelling at, like, someone who's <laughs> filled to the gills with fucking coronavirus, two world wars and one world cup. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you know, they've never they've never won a world war and they're using, like, science, like, uh, like a bunch of bitches. And, and has, that got, <laughs> has that got them the highest, like, body count in Europe? Has it fuckers like? It doesn't even make any, it doesn't even make any fucking sense because, like, the US stole all their fucking scientists after the war. Yeah, you, exactly. Why, why, where's the Werner von Braun cure for Corona? I ask you. <laughs> Werner von Corona. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine because even if they floated the idea and go, right, people are allowed outside now as long as you stay two meters apart and that and everything else stays the same. The important thing is that the Chancellor believes that people are getting addicted to furlough money, so we'll be reducing it from 80% that, to 60%. Yeah. Do not become addicted to furlough money. You will regret its absence. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking immortal, immortal Sunak. Uh, just, I've, I've just become so addicted to paying my rent, guys. I just, I don't know if I can go. Yeah, like, like the most flagrant piece of shit. I just cannot help but throw money away every month on the place that I live and the food that I eat. <laughs> yeah. There's just me throwing money away on nutrition and shelter and water like clueless cunt. I should just go live in the park and eat leaves like everybody's supposed to. I just don't understand, like, obviously these people have shit instead of brains, but, like, it ex- do you see that thing in Scotland where they are putting together, like, a £5 million uh, fund or whatever to help landlords oh, who are God, struggling yeah. because they're not getting paid? And, and you know, it's, it's only if you have, like, my, under five properties and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, why not? I mean, you've deferred the rent. Why not just give that money to the tenants to erase the debt? It'll go straight to the landlords anyway. <laughs> Why are you skipping that step? Why make people go into debt? Because the landlords paid them, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, it's I don't, don't want to just... like imply that the, the Scottish government's corrupt as fuck, but I mean, they're a government, so the odds are in my favour. <laughs> what, <laughs> yes. what's, really, what's really needed to enact positive change in the world is like, crowdfunding bribes, I think. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what super PACs are. Oh, man. Yeah, there's, speaking of fucking landlords, um, the Acorn, which, who, who we talked about earlier, who are genuinely like a good organization who you can support and, and should if you have some, some cash to spare, um, they wrote a letter to um, a Labour MP, a guy, the guy from Sheffield called Clive Betts. Oh yeah, um, you know, saying we we need to have rent waivers and protection against eviction, eviction during crisis. His response and is fucking bizarre as hell. Um, is he allowed? I'll, I'll read you. I'll, I, I don't know, uh, but I'll read you a snip of it. The difficulty. This is an email from his office to Acorn Sheffield. The difficulty in waiving rent payments on anything like a permanent basis is that you run the risk of running foul of the European Convention of Human Rights. Oh, uh, well, I've got I've got an idea, which I mean, it might also contravene some human rights, and it would <laughs> might involve uh, a few construction projects that might help the economy. Job creation, you again. say. <laughs> <laughs> There uh, is a, there, for some like, reason, there's a big market for black black masks. Uh, d- oh, sorry, uh, no, I, I don't want to give that idea away. I might, I might make a killing on it. 
There is a there is the further challenge that if the government is prepared to basically cancel rent payments, this could significantly undermine confidence in institutional investment in the private rented sector, which all parties have wanted to encourage. <laughs> not not all parties. Not all parties, you fucking prick. I mean, it probably means all you know all political parties. In which case, he's yeah, probably yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But fuck them still. Half of like the labor of the parliamentary labor parties who are all fucking landlords as well. That's fucking extraordinary. I like to get that from a labor MP as well. It just shows what kind of an endless mountain we still have to climb. And do you say do you say it's Clive Bet? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's a landlord. I am. Uh, I yeah, am shocked. Yeah, I mean, uh, some some ridiculous percentage. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but like more than at least more than a quarter of Labour MPs are landlords. And I mean, uh, just given the given the entire like situation with the Labour Party right now, it is not a surprise. There are a ton of them are shits. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's for me right now the this this language because it wasn't just the Chancellor; it was like a bunch of other Tory MPs. They're all randomly deciding to use the exact same phraseology about people getting addicted to, you know, having part of their salary paid out. Yeah, I mean, that's partly because no one in the Tory party says anything without having it run past some sort of focus group robot cunt. And secondly, because they've all been talking to Ian Duncan Smith, I should imagine. But, But you repeat yourself. But it's just a sort of to categorize, you know, it's a, it's extremely offensive to people who do suffer from addictions of various kinds. But it's, you know, it, it's also, it's just going to set the stage for massive austerity because, like, this time we won't use the language of of scrounger. You know, this time it will be um, uh, government money addicts, and there won't be austerity. There will be just serious economic thinking. You know, they'll just change the fucking wording and do the exact same thing. Government money addict sounds like a Noel Edmonds show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but let's be honest, Noel Edmonds is off his fucking rocker. Any any bonkers like TV show title that you could come up with and you put his name after it, I would absolutely believe you that he was hosting it or came up with it. Yeah, or, or, or when he was up, you know, for, for day four or five listening to the birds tweet and grinding his teeth writing random words into a notebook while screaming at a dishwasher. How about Noel Edmonds' celebrity helicopter manslaughters? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I yeah, would watch that. Probably. I, I'd buy, I, I'd, I'd, I would watch it, mind you, because um, I cannot stand the cunt, but I'd enjoy hearing about it, I think. I mean, we are not that far away from just having Tory MPs um, in a helicopter, like, hunting down poor people for sport, and it's just going to be broadcast on probably ITV or something. Maybe in, in the in the ad breaks between fucking pest and show. I'm gonna make a prediction now, and and then and then and a follow up prediction. My first prediction is that as soon as like people start going back to work, but the economy is completely fucking collapsed, is that they're gonna bring back workfare. <laughs> Ooh. And my follow up prediction is knowing our fucking track record of news episodes is that by the time this episode is edited and released. They will have announced it. Ooh, that's a strong. That's a strong one. That's a, but yeah, uh, that, I wouldn't that's, be surprised. That is deeply cursed. That is yeah. Or there's going to be like some form of they're just going to turn uh, job centers basically back into like workhouses and have people I don't know pick apart all mobile phones by hand and every picogram of gold they find in it that's like their wage for the day. Oh, they are. I mean, they're talking. I mean, Rishi Sunak was talking about uh, reducing. 
the uh, 80% wage furlough to 60%, which is awesome because that would literally make it the lowest uh, furlough rate in Europe, which is also, um, for a lot of people, going to be substantially below the poverty line. Because if you're earning 60% of minimum wage, um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's really a shit amount of money. <laughs> There's a reason it's called minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because of socialism. Otherwise, the market would determine what you're worth. Uh, I, I, one of the craziest things I ever saw was uh, like uh, some. It was a right wing American dude, though. To be f- to be fair, he wasn't English or anything like that. Yeah, but they're but, just five years ahead of us. But like uh, this idea that um, you know, if you're a worker, you will be rightly compensated without a minimum wage and like without unions and. What planet do you come from where uh, someone is compensated in anywhere near like the proportions of the amount of profit that they generate for a company? Like the yeah, I mean, the whole point is that the company doesn't fucking hire you unless it can extract more value from you than you cost. I mean, yeah, I mean that's why. I mean that's why we've seen the systemic uh, grinding down of workers' rights and wages just so that uh, you know it has. As the rate of profit per capital falls, they uh, the only way you can reap those um, increases yeah. in profit is through increased productivity, stagnating stagnating wages, and yeah, the easiest thing is always is to squeeze labour because always. investing in technology costs costs money essentially. Well, I mean, there's now two easy ways that either you can just get squillions of money from the government through QE or one of the other million programs that essentially exist to, you know, make sure Serco is still around to run your job center or your whatever, your outsourced shit from the DWP assessment. Um, or it is to just, yeah, have the government back you to the hill while you sack a bunch of workers. And then if your company goes under, then you get lots of money from the government, despite never existing before four months ago and not owning a boat despite that's what you were the fact and, that that's being, what you were hired to and, do and being headquartered in like the fucking like bottom of the atlantic ocean or some shit to yeah, a, ma- a mailbox in atlantis <laughs> <laughs> well there was that thing doing the rounds on twitter this week where it was like uh, a storefront somewhere in, in delaware in the u.s that oh, was yeah. the, the the corporate um, main office address for two hundred and eighty-five thousand companies there's a, there's a, I'm pretty sure I read about a, like a building in the, I want to say Cayman Islands that oh, ha- yeah. has like 20,000 companies registered there and that's their address. They just have like a little essentially post box and that's where yeah. they're registered. Mm-hmm. But since uh, I'm, just to get back to this whole business of getting used to government money and being addicted to it. Um, David Gork was saying something. This is always a good fucking start to a sentence. If I, you know, David Gork says um, he was on uh, the BBC Radio Force World at one a couple of days ago, and he was talking about he was essentially using the exact same talking points that about addicted to money. Um, and he said, you know, um, if we incur huge costs to the taxpayer and and lock people into doing nothing. When in fact people would be better off if they move to a di- different sector, uh-huh. a different employer, where they've got a sustainable business. Yeah, just Please just get one of those to me. Yeah, just get one of those fucking recession-proof jobs that I I hear so much about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's well, I mean, he's got one. Why can't you get one? <laughs> yeah, ju- just just become a member of parliament. No big deal. Easy done. Easily done. Well, to be fair, if you see the state of some of them, you do think 
God, it must be easy. Because if you can do it, surely the average trained chimp can do it. If Mike Gapes can do it. <laughs> hey, hey, that's... Uh, but I love this idea of a, of a sustainable business, you know? Like, what the fuck in this current circumstance is a sustainable business? And I suspect that he's just had lunch with his mates from Amazon, because that is the only sustainable business model right now. I don't know. I think you could you could probably have a, fi- a fair whack at stuff like burning billionaires for fuel. <laughs> that's that's probably going to keep running for quite a while if you start doing that. I can't imagine that's any worse for the environment than what we're currently doing. That's the fucking terrifying thing about all of this. Uh, there was a fairly sort of I can't remember who who did it, but it was fairly well researched by one of the bigger universities. Um, that so far the the economic part of the the corona crisis has caused um, a drop of they say it's between 5.5 and 6% in CO2 emissions. So like that's where, just because there's so much less activity in travel, um, that's this level of recession and like discomfort and people going mad. Uh, if we want to reach like anywhere I think close to our climate goals, so the one and a half degrees by 2030, uh, we're going to have to do 7.5% every year. So like this, but 50% on top every year from now till 2030. I think the cool thing about this is that it's pretty, it's a good, so um, obviously being, being that the Tories are in government, they like to push uh, individual responsibility onto, you know, the population at large. Um, this is a pretty good indicator of like the, the sum of the impact that us as individuals could have if, you know, we voted with our feet, voted with our pounds um, to try and reduce carbon emissions. And it's like, fuck all like it's not as you said rob nowhere near enough to actually get to where we need to be and to actually get anywhere close to avoiding climate apocalypse then we're gonna have to do substantially more than just stop driving i mean yeah. personal responsibility is just a crock of fucking horseshit anyway the idea that, oh like, yeah the idea that you know what i mean like some guy in his back garden can just do like something and somehow counteract like you know airlines or fossil, the fossil fuels industry. And it's not like Workington Man is going to build a really, really long stick and push the sun slightly further away. <laughs> well, no, he can't even make a very big ice cube because the energy to do it would be worse than... Uh, uh, but it's it's ridiculous. The, the, I mean, there are, yes, there are some things that you can do, and yes, there are things you should do, but like the big systemic shit is not going to be you switching your car to a fucking Prius or something. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a that's a whole episode on its own, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Fortunately, we did one episode eight, <laughs> if, if memory serves. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be depressed? Go and listen to that episode. <laughs> no, but it's it's really fucking appalling. Um, and the only person which I found, you know, quite remarkable, one of the few people who actually are on the ball, and 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 I have any vestigial respect left for Keir Starmer. Oh no. We'll get on to him in a fucking little bit. Um, no, is Nadia Whittam? Um, Labour MP. Yeah, yeah. She's she's the youngest one, and she um, was, besides being an MEP, she, during the crisis, had gone back to work as a carer in a care home uh, called Lark Hill uh, in her constituency. Um, and she's been sacked from that job by speaking about out about the lack of PPE in uh, care homes. Do you, know what, do you know what's really great about that is that so uh, somewhere, some like PR consultant has said, 
But in order to minimize the impact and damage that uh, having uh, one of a, a prominent member of your staff talking about the lack of PPE, which she didn't actually specify the uh, the company that she worked for at the time or, or at any point, she herself has not specified who she worked for. Uh, so, but so this consultant has said the best way to avoid the bad press that this might entail would be to sack her, and it's like. Oof, uh, that is a great example of uh, that law that I've forgotten the name of, um, where you say you try and remove something from the internet and it just doubles instead. Everyone, and then all of a sudden, everyone knows about it. So maybe you shouldn't have sacked the fucking MP. It's extraordinary, and then, and like the excuse that was given uh, is that yeah, we had to sack her because um, because she talked about it. Uh, some of our residents became less at ease with the way we were running the show. Good. Our, f- <laughs> our first fucking responsibility is to keep them quiet. Uh, so we have to, you know, uh, so we have to sack her just so everybody, just so our residents can remain uninformed and stupid. Hold on, hold on. I thought you were looking at a care home, but you've just told me exactly what the BBC said regarding uh, the coronavirus thing. Wait, what's this? The, the the there were basically some some dipshit was saying, oh yeah, there's there's a time to criticize and stuff, but part of our uh, mission statement is to inform. Oh, and this keep- was the this was yeah, this was in the the Economist this week. It was a line about the the BBC and how they're treating uh, news coverage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, he said uh, as part of our job is to keep the population sort of calm and not in hysterics so what good would it do to report the fact that we've got the highest fucking death rate in europe yeah it's just gonna make people feel uncomfortable <laughs> I, I i just want to say i love this recurring theme of how dare you start telling how dare you tell people of all the horrendous shit that i'm doing is <laughs> making them very uncomfortable <laughs> well there is a there is a sort of weird point to it i suppose because like i mean we we can all i think celebrate and be proud of the fact that the UK now has like the highest death rate of uh, Corona in, in the whole of Europe, but like it's it's kind of in, invisible, I suppose, in a way, because like you know you don't unless it's a direct family member or you know a family friend, like you don't see it, right? There's no bodies being wheeled there, you know. There's no bodies in the streets. There's no anything like. Yes, people are dying, but it's completely abstract because it just sort of happens behind closed door in the hospital. Well, See what I mean? like, yeah, well, I mean, it's, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a lot you can do with a completely servile and supine media, turns out. Yeah, but I think even with that one, I think a lot of this sort of, and also the longer the lockdown goes on, the more unreal this thing becomes to a lot of people. I mean, people are already basically, like, ignoring lockdown. People are just like, at the start, people were, you know, actively stepping away from other people on the street, but now people are just like, fuck you, I'm going to walk into you. Oh, this aisle in the supermarket is like, half a centimeter wide that's fine we can definitely squeeze five people in here because i really need my tin tomatoes right fucking now <laughs> I, th- I think the th- the thing about that is that i mean ultimately the thing that would is going to cause the most like damage is you know forcing everyone to go back to work i mean the whole point of the lockdown was to stop people going to work um unless it's absolutely essential that you do go to work and for whatever the merits that has, you know. Um, but the idea of just everyone go back to work unless you are literally going to die. If you can, if you, if someone uh, talks about coronavirus near you, uh, you can, you can not go to work. But uh, we're, 
obviously just Boris Johnson is like hell bent on this idea that somehow the UK can gain some kind of advantage over the rest of Europe, the rest of the world, whatever the fuck, uh, by you know throwing throwing uh, the the proles into the meat grinder and just you know go on, good luck, off you go. Um, any of you yeah. come back, you know, uh, good work. Uh, the rest of you, yeah. uh, bad luck. Well, I mean, that's the the line they're pushing at the Telegraph at the moment, where I think in the last three days, uh, six or seven columnists have essentially written the same piece saying, you know, how much should we really prioritize, survive, you know, human survival over the needs of the economy? Number Turns must out- go up. <laughs> do, do you know what's funny? Uh, if everyone's dead, you don't have an economy anymore. It's the same shit as the U.S. It's all, you know, the U.S. protests about reopening the states and all that. And like everything, the U.S. is just like slightly ahead of us because they're fucking insane. But all the people with signs saying, um, I haven't had a haircut in this long. And it's like, they're not protesting to go back to their jobs at the hair salon. They're protesting for other people to go back yeah, to yeah, their yeah. jobs at the hair salon so they can so get, they can get exactly. haircuts. You know what I mean? And even that's fucking stupid, because if your hairdresser's got corona, you're going to get corona. But but that's the point. They want other people to go back to work for their convenience. Yeah, but they, they might they might not catch coronavirus, and they, they need, their, need, their, uh, need to get their split ends sorted out, you know? Yeah, it's really important. Uh, and, 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 and that's, that's a good reason to reopen everything. Which, like, at the end of the day, you know, if you really must, like, just go and grab the hedge trimmer from your shed. I'm not gonna lie, my hair is a fucking state because like my my, <laughs> my girlfriend's like refuses to do anything to help me about it, and like yeah, I, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't trust myself with a pair of clippers to not like just give myself a skinhead or some shit. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how what how wild things get. But like I'm fine with that. Like whatever, I don't care. But like just being so self absorbed that you're completely incapable of. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's fundamental to any any sort of uh, you know conservative ideology that your that other people lead lives and uh, have families and you know <laughs> need their health looked after as well. To uh, just be broke brained enough to think that yes, my uh, nails needing to be done, uh, my hair needing to be cut, though those are the best and most acceptable reasons for us to reopen everything and to get everyone to catch coronavirus and to everyone over the age of. 45 to just drop dead to just fucking die well there was a just um the stealing i just remembered i'm sort of stealing this straight from from adam adam curtis uh you know with some respect is that um there's an old interview with with ayn rand uh you know the objection objectionist whatever bullshit artist uh high priestess of all this fucking conservative individualist uh nonsense um and she was asked the question of like you know what what happens when you die you know how how does that work with your philosophy and what she answers is oh i don't die the world dies <laughs> because essentially the world without ayn rand in it is not the world doesn't matter then so fuck it you know it's not me that dies it's it's the world's is will be deprived of my very existence so that's sort of that's where you get the shit from of like other people can go back to work and if other people die well suck it because it's all about me and my personal enjoyment of the stuff that I have, you know, individually acquired and have all rights to, not shit that, you know, I've inherited from some tax dodging cunt who parked his shit in the Cayman Islands. I've heard I've heard the argument like very recently from someone 
that uh, life under lockdown is not worth living and we should lift lockdown. <laughs> wait, wait, wait for it. And we should lift lockdown, right? And people can make their own decisions and do their own risk assessment. If you're at risk, you can stay in. And like, even d- disregarding the fact that that's ridiculous and people can't make their own risk assessments because they don't know the risks and what are you going to do about people who are at risk and can't go back to their jobs. Disregarding all of that, the guy who made this argument has asthma. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it's just it's like it's just like main character syndrome. These people think they're like the protagonist and have like plot armor in whatever <laughs> you know, just banal, yeah, yeah, yeah. tedious story that their life is. Yeah, and it's also like for what and it's it, it what also like surprised me is like for what are you willing to just sacrifice thousands of care workers and people who work in, in the service industry, you know, for what are you willing to fucking sacrifice it? So you and like your boring fucking friends can can go put on your best uh, lamb wool pullovers and and sit at a shit bar drinking I don't know shit wine to and and talk about how you're so happy that that your artificially artificially inflated stocks are rising again. Like, is that is that sort of whatever fucking joy you get out of that? Is that worth just like slaughtering thousands of people for? I mean, to them, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you. If you deliberately engineer society so that, like, all everyone has is work and then, like, whatever fucking, like, brief distraction they can get from drinking themselves into an early grave, then you can't really be too surprised that they all get mad when they're not allowed to do either of those things anymore. Like, especially if, especially if you know, you work in some shitty job at some cunt company is, like, a, a point of pride because it makes you better than the scroungers, and then you suddenly can't do that anymore and you have to get, like, universal credit yourself. Obviously, you're going to be incredibly furious about the lockdown. It do, especially since, you know, it, it's probably all just a scam perpetrated by experts, and we, we've all had more than enough of them. <laughs> Excuse you, it's actually because of 5G. Well, the only thing that I know in terms of experts that I've really had enough of is experts who fuck. <laughs> I, I mean, it, 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 like I say, it's amazing what you can get away with, and you just got this completely pliant media, really. Yeah, yeah. And the worst thing to me is, is that like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen next week, and exactly like what's allowed and what's not right now, because there's a whole bunch of different stories going on. But the only thing that I do know is like, once the bodies start dropping, and once you know the cur- the curve starts going back up, or at least doesn't go downward fucking new forensic labor can't say shit about it because for the last few weeks it's all been the exit strategy communication strategy and it's just i'm so tired already yeah i mean i mean it shouldn't really surprise any of us that uh the guy who has been has only been in parliament for like five years which is not long at all for a for a new leader of the party uh, well, like a major party is completely, uh, you know, makes completely ass backwards uh, decisions to try and, uh, you know, try and live up to this fictitious effigy that uh, Tony Blair represents in every every centrist mind. Keir Starmer has change UK syndrome, where he's just listened to like the fucking dickheads in the press talking about them and and believes that they were legitimately like enamored with them 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That they actually, they're, they're, they're saying, oh, if Keir Starmer was in charge, Labour would be 20 points ahead. Why can't we have a sensible leader like Keir Starmer? Oh, Keir Starmer, he's so dreamy. Look at his haircut. Oh, <laughs> Keir Starmer, he's a sensible man. And like he doesn't doesn't grasp that they're literally only saying that they were literally only saying that because it, it like made Corbyn look bad, and so now he's he's you know he stood for leader he's one leader and he's fucking shit at it. That's why they're um that's why they're twenty points ahead in the polls I believe. <laughs> yeah, finally. I we think have you might that. have got your signs the wrong way around. Yeah, we have that leadership that we've all been waiting for, and like you know, God bless him, but like Jeremy Corbyn has been out. D- don't say, don't say God bless him. People. God thinks he's a cunt as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, whatever creature of the void, bless him. But, you know, he's... Leave Michael Gove out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so right here, we discussed some breaking news at the time, which was Keir Starmer clapping in sincerely for the NHS. Um, we've cut that section... And it was definitely cut because Keir Starmer was misrepresented and wasn't clapping in sincerely, and not at all because Rob did libels. I mean, the irony is that I don't think any of us on this podcast think that the clapping ultimately makes a fucking difference because, I mean, it's, you know, anything but paying someone who, uh, you know, works for the NHS uh, on the front lines a penny more. Uh, will will just do anything except pay them, I guess. Um, no, I think it do. It does actually serve a purpose. I think it serves a purpose to desensitize people to the amount of careless slaughter of NHS workers they're doing, and they're like, "Well, I've clapped, so I've done my part." Well, you no, know, like, they're they're just... heroes now, so it's fine if they die for their country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, uh, I'm just ripping stuff I've seen off of Twitter now, but uh, it it does it does uh, <laughs> hey, reek hey, of that's the whole point does, of this it, podcast. It's just quiet. quiet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does reek of uh, you know that uh, that poem Dolce et Decorum Est, as though yeah. you know, oh yeah, it's it's uh, a, a fine thing to die uh, for the NHS, and like so, my 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 partner works the NHS, and she. Uh, got into a, like an argument with someone at her work who was saying like we should be like happy to die for this and my my girlfriend's <laughs> like no it's a job like it's not it's not the it's, yeah, not, it's not worth World my life it's not people going off the playing grounds of Eton and just chucking themselves over the edges of the trenches it's yeah no it, but it but Keir I'm so. And I wasn't, I wasn't as into like this obsessively following um, UK politics. I think much before uh, Ed Miliband, and I'm just, I'm getting these sort of terrible, sort of awful feelings of like it feels like we're back in the in the Harriet Harman abstain on the welfare bill days. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, compared to Ed Miliband, this somehow feels even worse because uh, as with, well, with Ed, you got the sense that he meant well. Yeah, I mean, like especially like after having been leader, like you sort of get the idea that maybe he actually was just uh, fucked over by useless advisors. Where it feels like, you know, with Keir Starmer, it's this is just who he is. Like he is just like this boring, like not boring, but like somehow not boring, but in the weirdly cool way that Corbyn was it's just very 
you know, uh, sterile and I think the word uninspiring. He looks, like, he looks like someone tried to write a Doctor Who episode about a Cyberman that raps. <laughs> <laughs> he has a big Nick leg energy as well, with just like wobblier jowls. I can see that. Just yeah, I can't. It's just it's so depressing. And then uh, I don't know. I've been subjecting myself to the pain and misery of watching uh, P- PMQs for the last three weeks. Because you, what really have you stared yeah. into the void that much? He's been live tweeting it. <laughs> oh yeah, god! Oh yeah! The- oh fucking hell! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like Ben, you're the only sort of sensible one without a Twitter account. But um, yeah, I've I've been doing it essentially because like I've bought out of my tree at. Um, at work occasionally, so I live tweet PMQs as if it is uh, WWE wrestling, which at least I don't know amuses me. I don't really care if it amuses anybody else. Um, but it's just, and then you have to read what the what, you have to read. You know the headlines of all the the mainstream melt journals about. If I have to hear the word forensic one more time, I may just end up slicing my wrist open. Like, uh, it's just I'm so depressed. The wiser move would be to drink bleach. (laughs) (laughs) That's medicinal now. Uh, It does. It does make you sort of think, though. Like, so this is obviously this is the line. This is the new line for uh, Keir Starmer's leadership. You know, he's forensic. He's thorough. And and but the thing is, like, you've got the you've got the forensic. You've got the thorough. You've got the research. But then, but then what? What else? What comes next? There's no. There's no movement of people there there's no no and also well i mean what comes next is the most sort of mind brain collapsing headline i think i've seen in a good while at least in the guardian uh is john crace who's just like is has his tongue firmly wedged up so haircut's anus um is that man sub- is, that man is a fucking scrot- a scrotum that can hold a pen like fucking Everything that he writes is like weirdly sexual, but like in a really not horny way, and it's really creepy. Well, well, the horn is back because this is the actual headline from his sketch from last week's BMQs. Um, Sub Dom hankers for daddy as Kier kills him with kindness. See, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> this man, this is a man who's only ever had like BDSM explained to him. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> and also, I'm pretty sure that the only way he can achieve sexual satisfaction is through watching PMQs, which I think is the most disturbing thing. The most taboo, the, the final taboo. <laughs> that, yeah. It I sounds. Mean, I, I don't want to generalize, but literally every single part, every single person whose job description is parliamentary sketch writer is a worthless fucking bell end. Like <laughs> they literally. are, the, they are the absolute death of comedy in real time. It's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, funny. Look, this guy said a thing, and it reminds me of my school days. Oh, fuck off. I mean, it's all the it's all the same. Um, you know, sort of clique of people. Those like the people who run. Um, fucking uh, have I got news for you? Who oh, have, tw- have oh, tweeted f- out some absolute crackers because they are so fucking awful like um that jo- uh, the, the one joke that comes to mind is they did a tweet about um how everyone that's criticizing the government uh, is basically an idiot because uh you know the government's got all this research and what the fuck like 
this is not this is not comedy. This is you trying to make fun of people who have like numbers in their Twitter profile handle. And then, like, I really want to know how much this guy is fucking paid for this shit as well. It's just uh, you know for for great writing such as this. It's not any great shock that Keir Starmer has turned out to be so good at PMQs. That First sounds off, extremely sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's, this is for real. Yeah, First off, yeah, he's I understand an inherently that. serious man, and these are serious times. He's also had years of practice in cross-examination as a QC, so he's learned how to fine-tune his approach. He asks the right questions in the right manner, never raising his voice. The stiletto in his hand is a courtesy. Ugh. All right, cool. Um, I hope I hope I hope he reads this, Queen. This, this is this is like if someone took you know that YouTube algorithm bullshit that puts out videos like yeah, Elsa, yeah, yeah, Elsa yeah, yeah. and Spider Man pull out Peppa Pig's teeth. It's that <laughs> algorithm, but applied to politics. Now, to be fair, that that is um, oh, <laughs> if if anyone finds anything like that, tweet that at me and Ben. Oh, tweet it at me, and I will show it to Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's I mean, fucking... I, I just, I just really resent being told that we live in serious times by a man that looks like he was arrested for sex trafficking on the bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's and I just and then all the fucking mouths are sort of piling and saying, "Oh, he's so serious and he's so forensic." It's like my dude. First two weeks ago, he just he went up against Dominic Raab, and like, I'm sorry, but like, I have pot plants that can beat Dominic Raab in an argument. You know, like, that's just, that's not an accomplishment of anything. And then it's like, you're up against Boris in an empty room, and for third, and that's the most important thing, nobody gives a fuck about PMQs. Not No real people give a flying shit about PMQs. Rob admitting he's not a real person here. <laughs> no, I am. I am only, like, I am a shadow of the man I once was since I started watching PMQs. <laughs> Rob, Rob, Rob's just an AI that lives in the EU, uh, like, in the uh, offices of the EU, bu- like bureaucracy, and he's uh, <laughs> just hacked into our Discord and, <laughs> and won't leave us alone. <laughs> if yeah, if Keir Starmer had a sense of humour, he'd, like, just copy Corbin's questions from a random PMQ that he did just to see how many fawning reviews he can get for doing the exact same shit as no, Corbyn. No, 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 because the, the people who the one, score the, the shit. The one thing is that he has said that he wants to try and take uh, social democracy and try and wrap it up in the language of socialism. That's what Jeremy Corbyn fucking did. He literally did that. <laughs> like, uh, people get so, like, the, these fucking... Uh, lib brain spider dickheads get so wrapped up in the idea that Jeremy Corbyn was like more Lenin than Lenin was that they can't see anything uh, that he did as, like in the light of day of what and what it actually was, which was moderate social de- de- democratic uh, policies. But the thing is, when Corbyn said he was going to do things, he generally meant it. Whereas Keir Starmer's just saying, oh, I'm going to do social democracy in the language of socialism, because that sounds like it might play well with the youth. Yeah. It's just a it's just a hand wave towards the constituent that, because of the first past the post, they're like, yeah, fuck Emphasis the on constituent. The <laughs> well, I mean, we're back to the thing where, like, it's just, yeah, well, fuck the left vote, because, you know, they have nowhere else to go. We're back to that shit. Yeah, well, uh, good luck, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll find out how that fucking continues. No, but it's and then and on the backside, so we have all the you know the shiny interviews in the Financial Times and all this you know 
bullshit at um, PMQs and all the, ooh, he's such a forensic little man. But like on the inside, you know, what we've seen uh, this week is, uh, or last week, whatever, in the last couple of days, is the announcement of the, the panel that's going to look into the Labour report. And it's already looking like a fucking scam. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't. I don't think any of us should be surprised. No, no, no. But I'm, I'm a bit surprised by like how blatant they are. Just like, um, I think one of the four people in this independent panel is uh, Debbie Wilcox, and like she's has a long sort of online history of liking uh, anti Corbyn and social media shit coming directly from like Ian McNichols accounts. Um, guy Larry Whitty's on there. He's also got a huge long history of anti-left activism within the party like it's just these people aren't gonna the only thing these fuckers are gonna investigate in any depth is why did anybody write this down and who leaked it and the content are just yeah but but i find it hard to give a fuck at this point like the labor party's dead the labor party is an institution can suck my dick from the back quite frankly do you know what I mean? They've had like four years, five years of fucking membership out of me and they spent it all on like wanking off Ian McNichol. So they can just fucking roll into a ditch and die as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. But like... Who gives a fuck if they just whitewash the entire like thing? It, I'm past caring. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Keir Starmer's not going not gonna to win government unless, like, unless Boris Johnson personally machine guns people in Parliament Square. Like Starmer's, Starmer's not going to be tapped to be leader. He's he's the emergency backup if the Tories act, absolutely fuck it. You know what I mean? And the standards for absolutely fucking it are like insane these days. So you know, if like millions die to coronavirus, then Keir Starmer will be allowed to become like prime minister and and do sensible like right wing neoliberalism. But you know, but but pretend that it's not. So you you give a shit. It doesn't matter anyway, because even reports that aren't, that don't, like, inquiries that don't get whitewashed, you got, what, Levison and Chilcott and all that, they come out, and they are actually decent, and then just, nobody fucking does anything. So... Everything stays the same, but worse. So, no, but you, you do them, they have recommendations, and people in charge look at the recommendations and go, nah. nah yeah, I, that they, sounds like work, man, I've got lunch, you know, like... I'm go- I'm go- I'm just gonna head out now. Bye. Yeah. yeah. So, genuinely, who gives a shit about how they're handling the report? Because even if they handled it well, they wouldn't have done anything with it. You know, it's just no. But I mean, it, de- it depresses me in the sense that, like, there was some fairly serious shit in there about you know people how uh, BAME MEP MPs, you know, Diane Abbott for one, Clive Lewis for another, were being treated. You know. Like, yeah, the Labour Party can fucking suck it, but, you know, if, if this is how they get away with being, you know, borderline or out-and-out out racist, uh, and also how they treated the anti-Semitism thing, which was the whole bullshit in the first place. Well, I mean, it wasn't bullshit, but, you know, I mean, the, the whole hysteria around it. You know, it just... It, I don't even fucking know anymore. And I don't even... The other thing that was really depressing is that Jenny Formby is out, as a labor sector, labor secretary general, which means that's like another key post that we've just fucking lost. And like again, you know, he, he was a good man, but why didn't Corbyn just fucking slaughter everybody in Labour HQ like the day he, he got the leadership? You know that. Would have... Well, I, I think as as I, as I said on the episode where uh, we talked about this with Jack, um, you know, it was pretty much 
uh, and I've said this several times, uh, it's Corbyn's biggest failing was his um, willingness yeah, to... Well, yeah, basically because he was such a nice guy. But at the same time, if he wasn't such a nice guy, he might not well have uh, gotten all the nominations to begin with. So it's a, a bit of a mixed bag, to be fair. But uh, it is, I think it's pretty safe to say at this point that he fucked it and we are fucked because... Uh, I mean, like apparently Starmer said to Jenny Formby something like, uh, "As soon as he, like you know, within the hour of having won the leadership, uh, asked her to resign, which is like unprecedented. Uh, usually, the uh, general secretary like hangs a bit, hang, hangs around for a, for a, a while, or if you're yeah. Ian McNichol, like you just hang around until they like." Until well, is... they can't, they like you cannot cling on any longer, sucking life out of the party that you're meant to represent. Yeah, for me, this is the most depressing stuff. It's just like the 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 HQ is just being backfilled again with with racists and vampires and neoliberal shits. And then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you know they rebury John Rental's fucking coffin in the basement again. But this happens. This happens every time, right? Every time that you've got an organization that has. And there is something to be said for professional staffers at some levels, but every organization that has professional staffers, they're obviously going to have some sort of ideology, and a big part of that is going to be preserving the party with their ideology. Like, this happened, this has happened going back like hundreds of years, even like fucking anarchist Spain in the 1920s. It just It just keeps happening, and it's part of the reason why trade unions are so shit now is some of them do good work, but then you have like fucking GMB nominating Lisa Nandy and Angela Rayner, and it's because they care more about the continuation of their little club as their little club more than the stuff that they're supposed to represent. And every single time, people fall for it. Every fucking time. Yeah. But on a de- very different note, um, are you guys all very ready for tomorrow's big celebrations? What is it? It's VE Day, the oh, 75th right, anniversary yeah. of when the British and the British alone defeated the evil Nazi empire. It's a uh, fake uh, May Day because they cancelled May Day this year. They cancelled May Day for this shit fucking hell. Uh, and I'm not sure what I find the most offensive, um, whether it's the... I wonder which Churchill speech they're going to show on the BBC uh, tomorrow. Like, maybe the one where he talks about how Gallipoli is going to be really cool, or how about doing being on the gold standard is a great idea. I'm guessing not those ones. Hopefully the one about how landlords are parasites. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's pretty good. That's it's a, probably that's going to be the one about how he wants to use mustard gas on on savage tribes. Assuming they're going to pick one that will play well with the British public. <laughs> the, to me, I think maybe it's going to be at 9pm. And, you know, I think we should actually all be outside for this just to write down the names of people who do this, you know, for later, just so we have a list somewhere um, where there's going to be a nationwide sing-along to We Will Meet Again with the Royal British Legion after the Queen's Address. That, that famous wartime song, We Will Meet Again. jesus christ i just i do wonder i mean as you can probably tell from all of us talking um i think the lockdown is doing a number on everybody's sanity but i do wonder whether how much of it i mean i'm 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 vaguely enthused enthusiastic about the ve day celebrations i mean at least we get the day off work (laughs) 
no, that's that's true enough. But like, you know, I'm really worried about the amount of people that are actually going to turn up to this thing and like sit in their front garden, you know, covered in St. George's flags and, you know, throwing garbage at their neighbors because they're, I don't know, Muslim or Sikh or whatever. And just, yeah. And or making even creepier um, animations out of uh, what's the name, Colonel Tom, Captain Tom, the guy doing laps in the yard. Oh my god, the, the, the like the fucking weird like effigies that like yes. people have been creating out of him are so deeply terrible and like. <laughs> I mean, we're just, it's just a fucking nation of bootlickers, isn't it? Because uh, we just, we're completely incapable, uh, you know, as I've said, of doing anything that might materially change and improve the working lives and conditions of people who are essential workers. We just, all, what we have to do is we have to get old people to walk around their gardens or up and down stairs <laughs> and raise money through charity for some fucking reason rather than taxing the rich fuckers who can easily afford it because it's just politically not in the government's interest to do so. No, but, no. Uh, and this guy is like the ideal symbol as well because like he's the former managing director of some kind of you know factory that's long been sold off under Thatcher. Um, you know, he's got this giant ass big yard where you're like, where, you know, what is this? And then... They do fucking flyovers with spitfires and hurricanes, and it's just all the sort of schmaltz-filled um, bullshit that, yeah, I don't even know how this works anymore. I don't even know what kind of, you know, how you... How, like, what is the national consciousness of the United Kingdom at the moment? Like, what is the animating spirit? I can't fucking... Bliss, blistering belligerence. <laughs> it's, it's 2012 United States. Yeah, I mean, people are all about, you know, like walk, walking around your garden for like thousands of miles and clapping and all this other stuff. But I think the, the best um, action like people could take to help the NHS is Richard Branson. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I do sort of genuinely, I think that's a, that's a very terrifying comparison, the US in 2012, because I'm not sure that that's wrong. But this time it's like we don't, you know, we don't even have the, the sad pacifier of Obama in charge. Like, it's also Boris in charge at the same time. It's like the US has been doing, like, Kickstarters and GoFundMe and, you know, bullshit like that for people who have serious illnesses for years and years and years and years. And the UK shoot of fashion is several years behind, except we do it sort of collectively through the NHS instead of individually because we're not quite at that level yet. But that's what the whole sort of uh, Captain Tom thing is, but you you know you know you or can look forward to is uh, Christmas Day when we're all in lockdown because of the second wave of coronavirus. But then I coronavirus by develops we'll at, by Christmas. We get the third fucking wave, very possibly. But the thing to look forward to is that Christmas Day coronavirus will develop a conscious a conscience and will lay down its viruses and we can all go out, come out of the trenches and like play football for a day <laughs> yeah we can we can play football with the with the vi with the microbes that'll be very cool we can sing songs and hold hands with i don't know just, just people at this point really <laughs> terrible ah uh, well shall we wrap up today's festivities and, and climb and climb back into our trench for um for comment or commentariat which has been sadly missing i think for a little while 
Why not? <laughs> yes. Why not? <laughs> All right. Everybody remembers how to play this, I assume. I mean, just because we haven't done it in a while. Um, I have selected a number of um, is this, fine quotes. Is this quotes. the one where I just shout random newspapers at you? until? No, you this is actually the, the one uh, we have to pick between comment or commentaria. All right. Okay. <laughs> and none of them kind of came from what, whatever that was, the Newport Examiner. Or, um, <laughs> they, come from, <laughs> they come from reasonably well-known uh, publications. Um, and for those of you playing at home, you can guess whether or not this is a comment, i.e. left by some random weirdo on uh, one of the uh, UK's f- many fine journalistic publications, or whether or not this was drivel written by somebody paid to write this drivel. All right, uh, round one, here we go. Every crisis has a flashpoint. For me, as I suspect for many others, the news on Monday evening that the Prime Minister was being treated in intensive care for COVID-19 felt like such a moment. Or, as my teenage son put it, this thing just got real. Commentary Like, that, I'm going to say commentary as well. That sounds like, because they're all like... like... <laughs> Because uh, if if you write a column, all all you can do is like write. All they can do is write in terms of like their own lives. Everything is just through this lens of their own life. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with commentary as well here. All right. Well, you are all correct. It was commentary, and it was uh, Sarah Vine writing oh, in the day, writing in the Daily Mail, which uh, is don't, surprising. Don't, don't remind me that Michael Gove has children. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know, this is fucking terrifying. Um, let's see. I wonder, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I wonder, do they, do they like, spawn from like a cocoon, or are, are there eggs? Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let, let's run the whole Michael Gove is a terror from beyond the, the ocean thing into the fucking ground. We haven't, we haven't <laughs> done enough of that yet, I think. Like, let's no, no, bring is, the podcast full circle and do another 10 minutes of A-grade Michael Gove, like Spawn of the Sea material. <laughs> it's, the, it's the only thing that brings me joy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, round two. We are being cajoled by Did fear you say and round dis- three? No, this is round two. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to retake thought this because I'm losing there. my mind. <laughs> Oh, James is going to fucking leave this in. I love it. <laughs> right, I'm right. ready. I'm ready. <clears throat> Round two. Do this. <laughs> two, you say. We are... <laughs> Sorry, stop it before I dissolve with fucking giggles again. Um, we are being cajoled by fear and disinformation into accepting the beginnings of a new green world. It hasn't started well so far, and it can only go downhill from here. We need mass disobedience and, to borrow a phrase of the left, Whose streets are streets? We need to reclaim our freedom. Oh, for fuck's sake! I mean, that sounds like commentary art to me. It could be. It could be the rare commenter that like knows how to form a sentence. But <laughs> I'm gonna go with commentary art. Yeah, I'm gonna go with commentary art as well. Yeah, I was thinking comment until they said whose streets are streets. I refuse to believe that a commenter knows that shit. Well. Most wouldn't, but the fine commenters over at Spiked Online, boy, do they! Oh my god! <laughs> well, they're they're all they're all Marxists over there, don't you know? Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, no, they're trots. Um, it's all right. Um, the seasonal flu round three, round three, round three. The seasonal winter flu has for years carried away. <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> what the fuck was that, man? <laughs> Sounded like you were just fading into the darkness. <laughs> I, just, I, I want to. <laughs> I want to embrace it. I want. I want to swim down to Michael Gove's lair. I want to go to the. Roof. Oh, <laughs> tap tap in this well again, are we? <laughs> All right, let's try this again. Round three. Seasonal winter flu has for years carried away several tens of thousands and the country never said a word, nor did the media. Um, Once once simply accepted, albeit with sadness, that death by disease was a fact of life on Earth. But now, with our economy in the gutter, what price do, do you put on a million destroyed small businesses, double that number of unemployed, and a tidal wave of depression that must follow? Uh, was it, dude? Was everyone just saying that this is fine? Like, yeah, no. The the, the, the annual, you know, mass grave deaths from the flu are very normal and cool. I get like, I mean, you know, like Starman's not going to fucking bother doing this uh, come come winter, but like Corbyn, fucking every yeah, yeah. year would like just bollock the government for how shit they are at handling the winter uh, winter crisis every year. Yes, but he did, he did it scruffily and not forensically. Oh yeah, I couldn't oh, hear him until he put yeah. his fucking tie on or some shit. <laughs> Alright, so is this a comment or is this commentariat? Oh, I, this made me angry enough to think it's commentariat. Commentariat. Yeah, commentariat. You are correct. It is Frederick yeah. Forsyth writing for the Daily Express. Oh, Oh, Daily Express. I thought you were going to say it was that Telegraph article where it was that guy saying that we should just throw people into the macerators to get the economy going again. That's every opinion article in the Telegraph. Um, no, there's no. To be fair, there are also the ones that are horrendously Islamophobic. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I forgot their sideline. <laughs> sideline. Um, all right, round four. All the experts, and there are quotation marks, suddenly coming out of the woodwork to bash the government. If you knew all this beforehand, where were you two months ago? If you must point fingers in blame, point them to the east. The far east. Mm. Comment. I'm going commentary out because there's this really weird like habit of journalists at the moment to go, how, how culpable is China for the coronavirus disaster? And it's like, um... I mean, that's kind of not the question now, really. <laughs> Anything to avoid it, like fucking implicating the government in being a bunch of incompetent fuckwits who just insist on doing everything badly and expensively. I personally if, if loved you, once. Uh, if one. you must point fingers, point them towards the east. The Far East sounds like you've cut that short immediately before some like weapons-grade racism was deployed. <laughs> I promise before? you I Either that, or it's like, what way do Muslims pray? All right. So... I, pers- I personally love that. This is when some government idiot said, "Maybe we should be talking about the reparations that China needs to be paying us for." Oh my god! Uh, for coronavirus, like, my dude. If I was the UK, I would not be talking about reparations to fucking anyone. No. That's <laughs> yeah, I I keep my fucking mouth shut if I were you. Jesus Christ. Yeah, but then you wouldn't be the UK, would you? <laughs> no, that's very, very true. All right, so can I have your final answers, please? Comment. Oh, I'm, I'm going commentariat. Why not? Uh, commentariat. It's comment. It's from BBC oh. News. Jesus Christ. Oh, fucking course it is. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll give. I'll give you two more, and then. Oh my god! No, <laughs> no, just just do one more, please. No, you get two. You get two because I can't <sighs> decide which one of these. Um, all right, because we because it is about to be VE day. I did think we needed to bring you know some of that blitz spirit back into this conversation. All right, the education establishment, the Blob, understands full well that if <laughs> the it can blob. use. Mm-hmm, uh, Understands full well that if it can use classroom history lessons to bring down Churchill, the whole edifice of British identity will soon come tumbling down too. Society can then be rebuilt in the best authoritarian tradition. It is succeeding. This is the uh, Croydon Examiner, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, damn it. How did you know? Are you the one who keeps writing those letters to them? I'm going to say, not only is this commentary at, it's Toby Young. (laughs) Not a bad guess. Mm, I don't. I don't think it's quite. It's not got that weird, pathetic energy that everything he writes has. Like that article he wrote about uh, a <laughs> that article he wrote in the Spectator about the 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 article that his wife wrote the week before <laughs> about how much of a dickhead he is. Oh, uh, um. I mean, it's it's Toby Young's like a unique talent because it takes it takes a real effort to be rich and unpopular. <laughs> That's true. But this, on the other hand... But I wasn't paying attention to the quote. I was too busy thinking up that Croydon Examiner line. <laughs> <laughs> I could read it again, but I think I might actually melt Alistair's let's, head. Let's, let's, say, let's say comment. Uh, I'm going to go comment as well. Why not? It was commentariat from... Uh, it was Chris McGovern writing for Conservative Woman. Fuck. All right. Oh my god. And then I'll give you uh I'll give you a happy one. Well, not happy. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to lie. None of these have been happy. I'll I'll give you whatever the fuck this is uh as your your final parting gift because it has been a while since we played. Um on a happier note, it is good to see Boris back. It feels that, as if at last Tigger has arrived to liven up the EORs, but now we need more than bounce. We need to see the exit strategy. And we need to be assured of the return to proportionality, reason, and moderation. Did Keir Starmer write this? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, I, I've lost the will to live. It's not behind a paywall, so I'm this not Keir Starmer. Oh Christ! Commentariat. Commentariat. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Agreed. Not. You're all correct. This was commentariat, and it was actually Anne Whittacombe writing in the Daily <laughs> Express. Oh, so like Keir Starmer then. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You kind of God. gave the game away by saying it was behind a paywall. They generally don't do that with comments. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they fucking do. I'm not going to pay the te- Telegraph to find out whether or not I can comment on the gibbering morons that they have over there. All right. Well, it's been uh, a fun-filled episode, wouldn't you say? Please don't lie and say that it's been fun-filled because <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Especially when you just like have to make up for lost time and inflict what six on us. Yeah, I would say. Uh, well, is it really lost time? Is it the special time where we gather around the bonfire of our sanity? <laughs> the bonfire of our sanity. Dark souls of the mind. Oh yeah, and, and oh, can we just end the podcast now? Yeah, we can end it here. Um, as usual, if you're not already, uh, you can follow us at Praxiscast. Um, turn up next week if i'm you know out of my tree again i may do yet another round of live pmqs if that you know if you all have my sickness uh join me there otherwise any of you guys have anything to plug um just the twitter account i guess like 
and it'll be in the show notes anyway. So whatever, you know, you know, you know where it is. You know, let's just say Apraxis cast because it's nice. Um, let's end on an actual nice note. Uh, pod regular Elijah has started a, his a new podcast um, where he chats about music with somebody else. And if you're a music person, uh, go look up uh, the Bottle Cap Preachers. Um, I don't know. It's probably on whatever platform you listen to, or I don't know. Whatever. Use Google. You're a modern person. Figure it out. The the Twitter account is at Bottle Cap Pod. Ah, okay. See, there you go. Well, I think that's we've we've done our very best. Um, yeah. Enjoy, enjoy enjoy your lockdown, everyone. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. We tried. Good luck. Have a, have. A, in, I mean, this thing's going to come out later, but have a great VE day. You know, celebrate racists. Go do that. Go tear down someone's bunting and uh, tell us about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> After, you know, you, you wake up in hospital from having your head kicked in, but sure. All right. Well, that's it from me. Uh, uh, have a lovely whenever the fuck this is you're listening to. Bye. 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 Bye.